Welcome to Brightline Living, the official podcast of Brightline Eating, where we focus on living a life free from food obsession and filled with peace and unstoppability. Each week, Dr. Susan Pierce Thompson, New York Times bestselling author and founder of Brightline Eating, will cover topics ranging from food addiction to fascinating science and how to live a bright life. Now here's Susan with the audio version of this week's blog. Hey there, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. So right now, registration is open for the Brightline Eating Bootcamp and just tens and tens of thousands of people who've never been exposed to Brightline Eating before have just been exposed to it. So if you're new, welcome. If you're in that crop of new people coming into our fold, welcome. Now, just recently on a Facebook Live, I got asked this question and I thought this would be a great opportunity for me to teach you some science that I've never taught you before. I'm super excited about this. Okay. So it was a question from someone named Angela. Uh, this was a Facebook Live a couple weeks ago. And she typed in this comment. Hi, Susan. Can you speak to the significance of eating only and exactly what you committed the night before? In the context of preference, like exchanging a green vegetable for another green vegetable that you'd prefer to eat more, or a grain for a gr- different grain, What brain science or mental significance is behind this tool? Thank you, Angela. So what an amazing question, Angela. There is such a good reason that we don't do that in Bright Line Eating. It's so important. It seems so trivial, right? Like you committed broccoli, you're going to have six ounces of um, vegetable. That's the food plan. You know, six ounces of vegetable. You committed broccoli. Why can't you swap it to asparagus at the last minute if you just feel like eating asparagus more, right? What's the harm in that? Okay, such a good question. So to answer this question, I need to teach you some new science. It's, it's how dopamine rewards get delivered on a cellular level before you're addicted and after you're addicted. Now here, I'm going to use the language of addiction loosely. Like you might not think of yourself as a food addict. That's totally fine. Um, But your cells get wired to rewarding events and eating is a rewarding event. You don't really have any control over that. It just is. Okay. So the way the dopamine reward gets wired in is uh, before you've had exposure to a rewarding experience, the dopamine gets delivered uh, when, like upon delivery, right? Like when you snort the cocaine, when you eat the donut, when you uh, pull the lever on the slot machine and the, you know, ding, 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 and you're like all thrilled and like, whew, big rush of dopamine, right? Like upon the delivery of the reward is when the dopamine gets delivered. After some experience with that kind of rewarding situation, the cells in the nucleus accumbens shift and they start to release the dopamine upon pursuit of the reward. Upon pursuit of the reward. Then a benchmark is sort of set for how rewarding something's got to be to also maybe get some dopamine upon delivery. Maybe. 
but you've got a threshold to hit. You kind of have some experience in this domain now. So if if the delivery isn't good enough, not only will you not get that extra dopamine hit upon delivery, you might actually get um, like some dopamine withholding or like a, like the cells will stop releasing any dopamine for a little bit, like almost punishing you of like, that wasn't good enough. Like, no, that did not hit the spot. Okay. So research on uh, the brains of people with obesity, people who have experienced a lot of rewarding foods, shows that the obese brain has a much higher dopamine delivery happening upon anticipation of eating something yummy and a much lower than average delivery of dopamine upon actually eating the something yummy. So so did I just say that right? I hope I did. Higher than average dopamine upon pursuit, anticipation, thinking about it, wanting it, craving it, driving to the store to get it. But then when you actually eat, it's like sawdust in your mouth. It's like doesn't hit the spot at all, which just sets you up for going to get the next thing that then you're in pursuit again, right? Now you're getting the dopamine again. Oh, will this hit the spot? Will this, have you ever wandered up and down the supermarket aisles wondering what's going to hit the spot? Stood there standing at an array of possibilities of food, wondering what's going to hit the spot. It's that, that's the dopamine that's being released in anticipation of some kind of reward. Unfortunately, whatever it is you choose, it's not going to deliver the reward. Now, in contrast, the brains of slender people, um, they should have done this research on food addicts. They just didn't know any better. So here, obesity is a proxy for food addicted, but that's not always the case. But anyway, that's what they were, that's what they should have been going for. But the brains of slender people have, um, not much dopamine release upon anticipation of eating something yummy, pursuit of some food, but a really big, dopamine release upon eating the food. Almost like their brains don't really recognize this as a rewarding experience until maybe they have that one bite of dessert and they're like, these are the people that go, oh, that so hit the spot. Oh, I'm done. That was just, I couldn't do any better than that one bite of dessert. That just cap, it was the capstone to the meal. Perfect. I'm done. And I'm sitting over there going, are you for real? Like you don't want the rest of that. Like I just know one bite would not do it. It would just set me up to need more, more, more. Okay. So back to the question, back to the question. The reason that we don't switch our food at the last minute for something that our brain is suddenly telling us would be yummier is because we need to break the association of uh, thinking that our brain telling us that we need to go pursue some kind of food because that's the food that will be the yummier food. Um, we need to break the association with our brain that that is a legitimate um, <laughs> rabbit to chase down that hole. It doesn't deliver, right? What you wrote down the night before when you were full after dinner, thinking clearly, looking at your book, looking through the fridge, thinking what needs to be eaten up or what should I eat tomorrow? Like that's the food to eat. 
that food was chosen with the prefrontal cortex, with the part of the brain that thinks, that plans, that makes decisions, that has impulse control, that has your best interests at heart, that um, can integrate all of the factors and make a choice, a good choice. That's the part of your brain that writes down your food the night before. The part of your brain that's active in the moment trying to tell you that you should switch this for that, or that's not what you feel like eating right now. How about this? How about that? That part of your brain is the part that's in pursuit of immediate gratification. And can we, can we just take a moment and remember that that didn't work? It doesn't work with food for some of us, right? Not every brain is equally susceptible to the pull of food as a rewarding substance, right? As an addictive experience, not every brain is equally susceptible to that interpretation of food, but some brains are highly susceptible to it. And for those of us who are here, it doesn't work for us. It doesn't work. That's why we were on the merry-go-round of trying all the different things before we landed here, right? So It takes a little bit of firmness with yourself to break the association of thinking that in the moment, it's a, it's a legitimate thing to pursue the thing that your brain is suddenly telling you is going to be the yummier option. It's a mirage. It's just wavy heat on hot pavement in the desert. It's not cool water. Just eat what you planned. Eat what you planned. And tell yourself, oh, really, brain? Suddenly, asparagus is the thing that's going to hit the spot and this broccoli is going to be horrible? You can have the asparagus tomorrow. Commit it for lunch or dinner tomorrow. You can have it tomorrow. And when you start to be firm with your brain like that, the amazing healing that happens here in Brightline Eating takes root. I want that for you. I really, really do. I want that for you. So... It's super important to eat only in exactly what you wrote down the night before. There are exceptions, and I covered that in a vlog called Sane Choices. If you don't know how to find a vlog, um, you, you can always just go to brightlineeating.com, and there's a vlog tab, and then there's a search bar. So you can search for Sane Choices. These are the kinds of situations where, um, you know, you sprain your ankle and you spend you know, four hours in urgent care. And instead of getting home at 4.30 or 5 and having time to slice onions and peppers and grill them for dinner like you planned, you get home at 8.30 and, you know, you want to go to bed soon. You Now you need to be eating dinner It's and you're hobbling. You've just sprained your ankle, right? That's the time to change what you eat. You're not about to slice up you know, uh, peppers and onions for dinner, right? Grab a bag of frozen veggies and pop them in the microwave for five minutes and get dinner on the table, right? That's called a sane choice. That is a totally different thing. Do you see how the motive in that situation is completely different from your brain saying, oh, that what you wrote down isn't going to be a yum, isn't going to be yummy enough. Switch it to this other thing that you feel like having more in the moment right now, all of a sudden, completely different motive, right? So feel free to keep making your changes on the fly that have to do with um, doing the kinder thing for yourself because it's the, the, the right sane thing to do or the social thing to do, right? If all of a sudden 
you know, your beloved colleague who's about to retire says, hey, four of us are going out to lunch because this is my retire retirement week. You know, would you join us? Join them, right? Join them. Join them and change your lunch plan. It's okay, right? You, they, they serve protein and produce everywhere. You can get a bright meal there. Join them for lunch. So there are reasons to change your plan in the moment, but just because your brain is suddenly telling you that it feels like it, that ain't one of them, my friend. That ain't one of them. So this is one of the things that we do radically different in bright line eating. And it's one of the reasons that this works. This is not the advice that you get out there in the world. I know that. I know that. And I'm speaking to the people who make it here who are really, really ready to hear some straight up truth about how to handle their food. Finally, welcome to Brightline Eating. If you want to register for the Brightline Eating Bootcamp, click below. There is a button that takes you right to the page to learn about the bootcamp and to register. Registration week is happening right now only. I hope to see you in there. And that's the weekly vlog. I'll see you next week.